Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, we officially turn the page to week two. The Minnesota Vikings are in town. It's the home opener. Be good to have a full house again. Also good to see Kyler Murray begin to take that next step, something we talked about all offseason. But first, one guess as to who won NFC Defensive Player of the Week honors. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 466, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. No surprise, the press release hit my email at 5.31 this morning. Chandler Jones named NFC Defensive Player of the Week. All he did on Sunday, MJ, six tackles, a career-high five sacks, two forced fumbles, six quarterback hits, and four tackles for loss. I don't even know who might have been considered outside of Chandler Jones. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody put up, you know, like, three or four sacks so clearly you know he was the leader and he deserved it and we'll see if he can keep it going I don't, I'm not anticipating five sacks every week why uh, not I mean, I mean it should be the goal but I, no you're right I, I mean get it. Is, is he capable of doing it yeah but now it's on film and I got to think the Vikings are focusing on bringing in you know I don't know if they have a fullback I know they have tight ends on the roster you bring in an extra lineman you have to chip him now the good news is he doesn't have to line up on one side or the other, and he can come up the middle. So very deserving, and um, I'm happy for him because I know he put a lot of work in the offseason to get back into shape, and he talked about when Wilkes was here, he was playing with his hand in the dirt, a little bit heavy, um, but he, he's he's banking and betting on himself, so well-deserved, and, and again, I would have been shocked if uh, somebody else won the award. By the way, and we'll get more in-depth into this as far as the Vikings' offense, but according to the unofficial depth charts put out by the Vikings, they do list a fullback, C.J. Ham. So maybe we'll see a fullback against Chandler Jones, who won for the fifth time in his career, fourth with the Cardinals, which ties him with Adrian Wilson for the most in team history. Let the record show that that was Mike Jarecki, not Craig Riolu, who said that. But it does bring up the fact that we get to, one, mention A-Dub once again, and then two, well, just strick him from the record books at some point this season because at the rate Jones is going, he is going to get it for a fifth time wearing a Cardinals uniform. Yeah, and and again, if he gets a couple, but if he gets nine or ten in the first month of the season, you're going to hear defensive NFC Player of the Month, Chandler Jones. Yeah, he is well on his way because it's been an outstanding start, but as you said, it's one game. And also, it's not just the sacks. Uh, I think we've uh, definitely documented that uh, throughout the course of the week, uh, including on the Red Sea Report. It's not just the sacks. It's the forced fumbles. It's stabbing at the ball. He's kind of gumby out there. He can torque his body. I love the way he comes off the edge, drops his left shoulder, and they want you to stab at the ball. And, of course, they all want to tomahawk that ball uh, from that standpoint. So, no, I mean, uh, again, you you gotta you gotta just tip your cat and say it was one of the greatest performances we've seen in a long time from a defensive player. He he disrupted the entire game. Yes, and it was from play number one. So Jones winning week one a no brainer. Some thought. 
Kyler Murray might win Offensive Player of the Week honors considering what he did, four touchdown passes, a touchdown run, over 300 total yards that he accounted for. But that honor went to Matthew Stafford in his Rams debut. Stafford, 20 of 26 for 321 yards and three touchdowns, finished with a nearly perfect 156.1 passer rating, the highest of any game in his career. So completely deserving of it. But teams don't typically get two or three honors a week. You're not going to see someone sweep offensive, defensive, and special teams. But it certainly was a consideration, I think, for Kyler Murray to win Offensive Player of the Week. Oh, he definitely was in the conversation. And it wouldn't surprise me if Jameis Winston, I mean, that was a quality win on the road, neutral site, um, you know. Maybe he didn't throw for a ton of yards, but he was very effective. So I, you know, it, I wouldn't have been surprised by that. Stafford, the second career offensive player of the week award, happened in 2019 in Week 11. He becomes the first Georgia Bulldog to win the award uh, multiple times. So uh, again, Kyler Murray, I think he handled it the right way. He said, "I'm just going to go out there and do it again, and we'll see where the chips may lay." I'm paraphrasing, but you know, I'm sure he thought he would be in the running. And they don't tell you who's first, second, and third. But I got to think he's he was right there in the equation. It was the last question asked of Murray during his availability on Wednesday. He smiled and then said, quote, it's all good. Go back out there next week and do it all again. I'm sure there was a little bit of a blow to the ego because these things, these recognitions matter. But at the end of the day, what do you want? You want a weekly honor or do you want to win on Sunday? Win on Sunday. Now, getting back to Stafford, this could have been the, 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 the topper. In play action, his grade was 96.2 first. He was 8 for 8 for 155 yards and two touchdowns in play action. So that could have been the topper. Uh, we look at, you know, Kyler had more touchdowns, but, you know, he, he also had an interception. Again, it's, it's an award. I'd rather win football games and, and have these conversations. Now, Craig, we've talked about it, you know, early in the season. You know, Aaron Rodgers was the MVP last year. He went from start to finish. You know, Russell Wilson was unbelievable in the month of September. And then he kind of tailed off, including against the Cardinals game. So, according to the odds, Kyler Murray right now going into week two, is he has the best odds for the MVP. Now, we've been through this before. Are you ready to claim the Cardinals are going to win – we know double digits is obviously something that is achievable. That's is that ten or eleven? But I went back and looked again, and again these are these are the, uh, the I guess the guys behind Kyler Murray, Tom Brady, Jameis Winston, Stafford, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, and then you got to ignore right now Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, and Baker Mayfield. So let's just go through it quickly and we'll move on. When Matt Ryan won the award in 2016, 11-5, completed 70% of his passes, almost 5,000 yards. Tom Brady, 2017, 13-3. Aaron Rodgers, 2014, 12-4. Patrick Mahomes, 12-4. Cam Newton, the year they went to the Super Bowl, 15-1. Tom Brady, 14-2 in 2010. Aaron Rodgers, 14-1 in 2011. Peyton Manning, 13-3. So if you want to start talking about, and I know it's early, it's one game, but that's where you have to get the win total to be in this conversation. I can't believe we're having this conversation after one game, after one week. And it's going to be... I'm just looking at the odds. Yeah, and, and, and I understand it because you're looking for content, and people will do this after every single week. 
And last year, midway through the season, Kyler Murray's name was up there as far as MVP of the league. But no, there's there's no way I'm getting ahead of myself in any of that. It's kind of what Buda Baker says. It's one day at a time, one week at a time, one game at a time. Sure, we can look ahead a little bit. We'll look ahead of the Rams coming up and Matthew Stafford and his Rams debut. And hopefully he tails off by the time the Cardinals play the Rams in a couple of weeks. But this notion and this... These rankings and these odds and everything, it, it's all it is, is is it's filler space. People need to fill either websites or TV airspace or radio airwaves. That's all it is. Yeah, I, I you know, when you're doing radio, you, you, whether it's a three or four hour show, you, you, you got to create content and so you bench up power rankings. I, I, when I start working for the Cardinals, I don't worry about this stuff. But the reason why I brought it up, Craig, is because I wanted to list the guys that have won the award. It's not winning eight games. It's not winning nine games. You have to get into double digits, and it's got to be more than probably 11 or 12. That that was my point about him being right now the leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, if you get to double digits, you get into the postseason, then that's when your postseason honors come. These weekly awards, they're great, but it's the postseason honors that everyone wants because if you're getting a postseason honor about 90 95% of the time, that meant your team is in the postseason playing games, not just sitting on the sidelines and collecting these postseason honors. So that was Wednesday morning news. And then perhaps the biggest surprise of the day here on Wednesday, September 15th, is the fact that not only did Chandler Jones win NFC Defensive Player of the Week, but Chandler Jones spoke. Yes, he spoke in front of the media. He spoke. He broke a almost year-long silence in speaking to the media. Now, to be fair, he did get hurt week five against the Jets, suffered a torn biceps, underwent surgery, and we never really got an update from him. And then, of course, he wasn't around this offseason as far as minicamp was concerned, and he didn't speak to the media during training camp. He did break his silence on Wednesday and asked about his performance against the Titans, something that, quote, he had a feeling would happen. So he is certainly geeked up about this season. But the questions that everyone wants to know, and it's been the question that has dominated all offseason, his future with the organization. I'll give him credit, MJ. He was asked and he answered, yes, he did ask for a trade. But that's as far as he would go. He would not go into any further details. He said, if you want details, ask the general manager, ask my agent. So there is an acknowledgement out there. It is true. He did ask for a trade. But I'll go back to him reporting on time to training camp, reporting in shape. Said he wanted to come in between 255 and 260. I showed up at 263, he said, and he feels great. So I think the contract talk is always going to be out there, but I don't believe anything is going to happen until the end of this season, and maybe even not at the end of the season. But from listening to Chandler Jones on Wednesday, it sounds like the contract talk that we might have, it's behind him. It probably was a dominant part of his conversation in the offseason, but that is no longer the case here in the regular season. Yeah, and I don't know what the hurry is. I mean, it's one game, and granted, if he puts up 20, 25 sacks, I mean, he's betting on himself. But, in, you know, we had people calling in their postgame show, and, and I get it from the fans. You don't want to lose the guy. And, you know, can the Cardinals convince him to retire as an Arizona Cardinal? Well, it's going to come down to finances and how many years they're going to guarantee. Is it two or three? Um, clearly, he's, he's going to be one of the higher-paid players at his position. But 
to say pain the man, I mean, can we just put, calm down and put that to rest? Because I, I mentioned it on the postgame show. How do we know that he is agent or he's told his agent, let's just cut off negotiations during the season? I don't want it to be a distraction. Now, Cardinals can call him in, a, in October and say, hey, let's start negotiating. I'm speculating. I'm just saying, though, it's one game. And once you start the season, that should be in the background. Yes, and I think he put it in the background. It's not going to prevent others from bringing it up and wondering and questioning and saying how much or what it's going to cost. But I think that can be put to bed until the end of this season. And maybe not doing a deal this past offseason costs the Cardinals to the benefit of Chandler Jones. That happens. And there are a number of examples of that happening. And then the flip side is maybe it's best to wait. So Chandler Jones is going to go out and make it a goal to get five sacks every single week. He's not going to hit that. He's not going to get 85 for this season. But I do think he is poised for an outstanding 2021. Like I said, I, I, I just like the way he's approached things in the offseason. Um, clearly, you know, he was here for media day. Uh, he did not show up for the offseason stuff, but there's a lot of talk. Well, he, you know, um, they're going to trade him, which they never were going to trade him. And is he going to show up for training camp? He showed up on the first day. Yes. And everything else, else has been gravy for him. Yeah, and he threw out his line that he made famous, at least from our perspective here with the Cardinals, his first time speaking to the media and asked about his goals. And he always said, my goal is to do better than I did the previous year. And he brought that up. Well, he's already passed that. Exactly. As you mentioned, as that press conference was going on, when you have one sack in five games and five sacks in one game, now all of a sudden, yes, I think his goal for 2021 has been reached little tongue-in-cheek there, Bird Gang, but uh, bottom line is Chandler Jones is well on his way to an outstanding year. Are, are, we, are we breaking a rule today? You know, 24-hour rule, Craig, and then obviously the Red Sea Report, we always like to recap the game. Here we are Wednesday, and we're still talking about last week. It's time to talk about the Vikings. Well, the only reason I brought up week one is because <laughs> Chandler Jones named NFC Defensive and, Player of the Week. And the first time he's addressed the media, according to you, over a year. Hey, I had to go I back have, and look. I've had a few conversations, so no, but not in the media session. Not in a formal setting, not right. where he's quoted or anything <laughs> like that or social media. So it's good to have Chandler Jones back being himself. And he never really wasn't himself. We just haven't seen it. He's always had a smile on his face and joking around with his teammates. So, yes, Chandler Jones is back, though he really never left. Well, and, and we'll just put a we'll bottom line this. Uh, as you told me, he did speak in a locker room. Yes, he did. He broke down the team, and that can be seen on azcardinals.com. Had some words to his teammates as they broke the huddle or they broke the uh, team down inside to the uh, Titans locker room. And it was – I don't I, – can't remember what he said, but it was about, hey, listen, we got a long ways to go, but let's, let's keep growing as a team. Yeah, and next up for the Cardinals are the Minnesota Vikings, and we'll get into that here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. The Vikings 0-1 after losing on the road at Cincinnati in overtime, 27-24. The story with the Vikings, the number of penalties, 12 for 116 yards, 11 of those on the offense and interesting that the Vikings are opening up on the road for the second straight week their home opener is not until next week so just a rough draw for the Vikings but that is what is in front of the Cardinals here this week it's what is in front of Kyler Murray this week and Kyler Murray certainly sounds again it helps when you win the week before but Kyler Murray on Wednesdays the quarterback speaks to the media and he certainly sounds 
very sure of himself more than I have heard him in his previous two seasons. He's very comfortable. He's very confident. And I think that goes into what we talked about all of offseason. This year three, same system. He's more familiar. He's more familiar with his teammates and his surroundings. He can be more himself, maybe not to us in the media, but to his teammates. He's more engaging. He's got that smile on his face. I think not that things have come easy to him, but he's more familiar now with what to expect in the National Football League, what he can and cannot do, what he can and cannot get away with, and then learning based off of game reps, not practice reps, but game reps, seeing a number of different defenses, and then what I thought was big of him, and Kingsbury brought it up as well, this edition of Rodney Hudson, as much as we talked about it, I call it the biggest edition, regardless of how it was acquired, Rodney Hudson, we are seeing it in week one on what he means to this offense on and off the field. Uh, I think two things when you look at Kyler going into year three. Um, first of all, he's mastered the offense. We got a chance to see that in training camp. And the second thing is the game is slowing down for him. You know, it was even last year, there were times when he was bailing out of the pocket and just improvising, and he's got the skill set to, to kind of cover some of those blemishes. But um, yeah, I can't say enough. And and listen, a lot of things we talked about was bringing in J.J. Watt and, you know, obviously the development of Lucky and Rashad Lawrence and bringing back Corey Peters and Zach Allen is this team was going to be better against the run. Yes, it's only one game. But then you just you look at it from, you know, a standpoint of, you know, how this defense uh, came out and played. But I, I just look at it from a standpoint of everything we talked about and then we talked about Rodney Hudson saying – He's going to make the calls. He's there. He's going to be able to protect Kyler Murray, and he—it's another uh, brain on the field. So it takes a little pressure off. And, and obviously, Rodney Hudson recognized it. And Kyler said, "That's the first time it's happened. Nothing against the guys that have been here in the past, um, but that's that's so important for a quarterback." So again, you can't emphasize enough what they did in the rush defense, bringing in Watt, and then obviously the development of some of these young players. And then you look at Rodney Hudson. I mean, it's night and day from a year ago. He comes to the line of scrimmage talking about Rodney Hudson, and his eyes are open looking forward at what the defense is showing. And based off of his experience and the number of games that he has played, he's able to recognize in an instance what's going to happen. One of those happened, I believe it was on the Christian Kirk touchdown, recognizing zero blitz, made the call before Kyler Murray was able to see it, and then all of a sudden what we saw, we saw a touchdown pass and a score, and I think that is something that now on the field, it's not just Kyler Murray checking the plays at the line of scrimmage. He's got offensive linemen now, whether it's Hudson, Humphreys, Pugh, Josh Jones, who's still inexperienced, or Kelvin Beecham on the right tackle. You've got guys who can sit there and communicate with one another, and all of a sudden the offense is on the same page and recognizing, hey, we've got this dialed up. It's not going to work based off what the defense is showing us. What's our second option? All right, that's going to be our first option now. Let's go. And all this is happening in a matter of split seconds. And we saw the benefit of that and the outcome on Sunday. Yeah, and, and, and again, we talked so much about it in the offseason, how much he's going to make a difference. And it's only one game, but you could uh, it's not like he's going to forget how to play football for the next uh, you know four months. So uh, I think it's a great uh, testament to how much work they put in. 
you know, when you go back to training camp, one thing I, I really appreciate is how this team competed every single day. Usually in camp, you know, you get to the third or fourth day, maybe you've been in pads. You may have a lull. They're always uh, curious to see how guys come back after a preseason game and they get a day off. I'm telling you, this team competed. They, they, there was no walking on the field. They ran to each drill. They were doing drills and off-season workouts, and then you, you think, oh, they're not going to do them in training camp. No, they did even more different stuff in training camp. So I'm not surprised the tempo, how they came out, and the physicality and the leadership because they put the work in, and now we're starting to see the upside. And they're able to play fast because Rodney Hudson has gotten used to this offense very quickly. Kingsbury acknowledged that earlier this season as far as they're able to do what they want because everyone understands what their role is and what is expected on that given play and all of a sudden now you're seeing what we anticipated or thought we were going to see a year ago maybe even two years ago but it's that maturation and taking time within a system it's hard it's very hard to be patient I get it but patience might have paid off here in 2021. There's no doubt, no doubt about and that's, it. That's again just one game. I understand. Yeah, but again, we we had the luxury of watching practice when it was open to the uh, fans and the media. Obviously, uh, towards the end of camp, when the fans weren't allowed there, we couldn't talk about it. But we've seen it, Craig, day in and day out in training camp. You could see it, and the fact is, you know, you know, you wonder. We always talk about you know when you're building a football team, quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher, corner, but here. It's almost like Rodney Hudson's, you know, he's a guy that can do a lot of different things. And so when you come down to that, um, I just think if I feel like he's kind of settling things up front. You don't have to worry about Rodney Hudson. They're a veteran group. They're much better than they were a year ago. And we've seen it in training camp at different practices. So uh, I know I, we got to obviously couch it every time. It's only one game. But I just don't think – like. I talked about their speed. I don't see these guys getting slower. Now, Kyler, you know, obviously take some hits. You're a little sore. That's going to happen overnight. But by when you get back on the field Wednesday, Thursday, the body starts to feel better. And, of course, you just start all over again next week. But um, I just like the, the makeup of this team. Uh, you could see they're all pulling for each other, and it's a team in that locker room, not individuals. And you can go faster as an office as long as you're having success on first and second down because yeah. once you have that penalty or the incomplete pass or tackle for loss, and then all of a sudden you have to slow it down. And I think after those first couple of possessions against the Titans, this offense really started to click. Remember, there were five penalties called four accepted on those first two drives. And then after that, there were hardly any issues offensively. Everyone was on the same page, and as a result, you put up 38 points on the scoreboard. And I do think 30 points, maybe even 35, has to be the goal each and every week, regardless of what defense you're facing. Yeah, and you know, I'm nitpicking here because it really didn't come into the equation. Just like the penalties early on, they were able to overcome that. Didn't affect them down the stretch or and and on the scoreboard. But if Matt Prater makes that field goal, that would they would have had 40 points, and I'd have to go book back and look and I don't know if the Cardinals offense has scored 40 points under Kingsbury in the last three years well they did not last season because those 38 points matched what they totaled last year I believe it was against the Dolphins or I think it was against the Dolphins if I remember correctly that might be wrong um, but to your point yeah it's this offense for one game now you got to do it again and it's stacking performances hoping that the performance equals a W 
Craig, another thing, and I noticed it in training camp, and it really stood out when I watched the uh, shortcut version on Monday morning, just how much speed they've added to this team in the offseason. You look at Rondell Moore. You look at Zaven Collins. You look at Marco Wilson. You, you know, Last year they added a guy like Isaiah Simmons. Um, and then you throw in A.J. Green. And I thought Kyler brought up a good point, the fact that you know A.J. Green and Rondell Moore haven't been here for a long time, so it's going to be an adjustment even though – we know how good and how much those guys flash. They basically couldn't cover them the first day, couple of days of camp. So maybe, in, in like uh, Drew Stanton said, he assumes that you know AJ Green will have a bigger role. You know, Collins played twenty snaps. I mean, I'm sure they want to watch what he's doing on special teams. But uh, I just like the speed on this team, and and they played physical. They played physical, and I like the way that Jalen Thompson has got to stay healthy. I like the way that he came up and made some open field tackles because. You know, if teams are going to try to get to the outside, that's where your corners and your secondary is going to have to be, uh, you know, more physical and, and, and stopping the run and obviously trying to get the team off their spot. Quick update. Always good to do some research here, even in the midst of the show. The Dallas Cowboys last year on Monday Night Football, the Cardinals scored 38 points. 2019, they scored 38 points in the win over the Cleveland Browns. So the Cardinals offense has not hit that 40-point mark under Cliff Kingsbury. And again, it would have happened. No, i got no issue. The guy's been clutch. Um, he's going to win some games for the Cardinals this year. I'm just saying, hypothetically, if he would have made that, that would have been the first time. And again, I do think they had the capability. Um, I knew we were going to hear this. Based on what you hear in the press conferences and you listen to players, they left some points on the field. And every team can say that, but they can go back and go, if we we can do this. And last year, I'm sure when they watched film, there were more than a few plays that they left on the field because you could see the disappointment where the offense was kind of bogged down. Here, they're like, okay, yes, we put out 38, but we left points on the field, and that's how you get better where you go back and correct things. All right, is 40 points doable this week against Mike Zimmer and the Vikings defense? It's a good question. I mean – if Kyler can protect the football, he did have the interception. Uh, that I give the Cardinals defense credit because they're able to get the ball back, and it really didn't affect him at that. I mean, I, it's, it's really going to come down to can they run on, on on that defense and can they utilize play action? I I definitely think they can put points on the board. Is it thirty five or thirty eight? Uh, you know, again, you want to win. It's not about style points. Um, but I do think this offense uh, is is clicking, and we'll see if anybody can slow them down. You know, I, I was reading some stuff nationally, and they said rather, you know, when it comes to the Cardinals now, it's must-see TV based on one game because how they came out defensively and how they scored and everything looks so fast. And, you know, again, Cliff will never get the credit. This is an air raid offense. Well, it's, it's, it's got concepts, but it's kind of a different offense, which he's been able to build with Sean Coogler and Cam Turner. But I read that. If you get a chance, it's must-see TV just because of how dynamic Kyler Murray plays on game day. Well, now the pressure is on to do it. What happens to this team offensively after all of this praise, after having so much success on the road 
against a Titans team that many believe not only playoff contenders but Super Bowl contenders. Now defensively, they weren't good a year ago. This Vikings team a year ago, not good defensively. How much have they improved in the offseason to give the Cardinals a little bit more of a challenge? But the bar has been raised. The bar has been set, I should say. Now there is an expectation for this offense to move the football up and down the field, get into the end zone four out of five times inside the 20-yard line on Sunday to where, yeah, 30 points, that should be the norm this season. And occasionally maybe you do get to that 40-point mark. Who knows? Maybe it is this week. Yeah, and, and, and obviously injuries are going to affect any football team. Certain positions, you may have another guy behind them next man up. But this offense is sustainable in the National Football League based on their talent and how physical they are at the point of attack. Well, Kingsbury asked, what is it going to take to sustain their week one performance? Quote, got to stay healthy. And that's all he said. Got to stay healthy. And to a certain extent, that's kind of goes with everyone. And it's not so much, and we've talked about it, it's not the most talented team that wins at the end. Sometimes you got to be a little lucky with injuries. And these past two seasons, including this year, COVID-19, you have to be able to send your best out on the field and not lose anyone, whether that's to injury or because you tested positive. I think what Cliff's saying there, we got a really good football team. We got to stay healthy. This is that that was not a mirage. I I believe that that what they did in week one was not a mirage. Now we'll find out in the next four or five weeks how good the Titans are. But when the schedule came out. Everyone was propping them up, possibly a Super Bowl team. They were in the playoffs last year. They made some additions. So we'll see how good they are. But that was not a mirage in week one. Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Let's get into defensively what the Vikings do. We mentioned Mike Zimmer on his defense in 2020, called them, quote, Worst one I've ever had. The numbers for the Vikings defensively in 2020, not good. They ranked 29th in scoring defense, 27th in total defense, 28th in sacks. And this is a defensive unit that had ranked in the top four in total defense for three straight seasons up until 2019 when they finished 24, excuse me, when they finished 14th. So much like a week ago when you examine the Titans defensively, there are some holes with this Vikings defense. Now, they did add defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson in free agency. Michael Pierce, their defensive tackle, opted out of last season. He is back. Daniil Hunter is healthy after missing much of last season with a neck injury. In fact, all of last season with a neck injury. Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, both hurt last year. They missed considerable amount of time. So this was a Vikings defense last season that was missing a lot of pieces. They hope now with the addition of Dalvin Tomlinson, and no, I haven't forgotten about Patrick Peterson, but they can only go up from where they were a year ago. Yeah, and and I thought, you know, Drew Stanton brought up some great points how the Cardinals are going to try to have to attack Mike Zimmer's type of defense. I would recommend go to azcardinals.com. It was the Red Sea Report yesterday. It was fantastic. I mean, great insight. So um, they like to run that double-A gap blitz. So they'll have two linebackers come up and line up between the center and the guard, and sometimes they'll drop back in the coverage. Anthony Barr... I don't believe he played. I think he's still nursing the injury. He had a shoulder injury last season. Yeah. So, and then uh, the fact is that they they do have some good players: Hunter, Pierce, Tomlinson, um, Kendricks. Um, 
I'll tell you what, I watched uh, some of the highlights of the Vikings and the uh, Bengals game. They they targeted um, Breeland. Like, it seemed like he was the guy that had the target on his back. Obviously, Patrick Peterson, he got twisted in coverage, but Chase did not score on that. Jamar Chase did not score on that play. But I, based on Joe Burrow, and I, I talked to a scout that was at the game. He said he wasn't as mobile. He's still a really good quarterback. Uh, Burrow said today his, his knee was a little sore, but he feels good. So my, my point is Burrow didn't have to run. They threw the ball down the field, and Jamar Chase, that was his coming out party. And he, he mentioned he was hoping the Vikings would put Patrick Peterson before the game because he wanted to put him on his highlight, highway, highlight reel. Yeah, and it's probably something that the Cardinals looked at, as did everyone else. And when you have something on film, that is what is going to be attacked until it gets corrected. And you look at what the Vikings unable to do against the Bengals. It wasn't a lot of points allowed. And I think if you're the Vikings, you can just say, well, we hurt ourselves offensively. We weren't able to do much as far as putting points on the scoreboard. But defensively, I do think there is ways to attack them. Might be over the middle of the field if Barr is still not quite ready to get back on the football field. Yeah, so going back to your question, yes, I I definitely think they can score 35 or more just based on um, them being able to run the football, Kyler staying in the pocket a little bit more based on Rodney Hudson and, and the offensive line. So um, but I do think they're going to take some shots down the field, and I think that was what was impressive. Uh, it wasn't a lot of bubble screens. It wasn't a lot of you know slant passes. They took shots down the field, and we all know, you know when you go on a 10-12 play drive, you have to get at least three or four first downs. You hope you don't get a penalty. So we talk about splash plays and chunk plays and how to avoid it from the opponent. The Cardinals took care of business on Sunday in Tennessee. Well, you look at the number of scoring or number of plays it took on the scoring drives for the Cardinals on Sunday, and minus that first scoring drive as far as that ended in a touchdown because it was three plays, they had the ball at the Tennessee one. So you look at the scoring drives, the next touchdowns, Nine plays, 12 plays, six plays, four plays. So if there are deep shots to be had, the Cardinals will take it. And I think the offensive line held up to allow Kyler Murray the time to wait for his pass catchers to get downfield. And then there were some other times where you grounded it out. You pounded it between the tackles with the run game, mixing a little bit of a pass, and it was creative more creative than a year ago and I think not that you're going to go with the exact same game plan from last week but until it's stopped you can sit there and go you know what this worked we like this let's try this you know what we left this on the call sheet because we didn't need it let's put it in this week against the Vikings and you move forward until someone says you can't do that anymore because we have found a solution to what you want to do offensively. But I don't think the Titans found that answer, and I don't know if the Vikings will be able to find that answer this week. Yeah, and and the good news is the Cardinals aren't just one-dimensional. They can line up and run the football, and then they can utilize Kyler uh, when it comes to scrambling, and then they can throw the ball down the field. They have enough weapons, and that's why I've been – banging the drum saying this is the first time under Kingsbury where literally they can roll out four or five wide receivers. Now, Cardinals' big splash plays over 20 yards or more, 38. Uh, that was to Hopkins. And then they had a 36 to Chase Edmonds, 29 to uh, pass short to Rondo Moore, 26, 22, 21. Now, as for the Titans, they had one play over 
th- uh, 20 yards, and that was Ryan Tannehill deep to Rodgers for 39 yards. Uh, everything else was 18 or 19, including a Derrick Henry run. So we look at that game. Cardinals had at least five or six over 20 yards. The Titans had one. And the bottom line for this Cardinals offense, you keep Kyler Murray upright, and he is going to be able to, I think, pick apart defenses, and that might go for a lot of different quarterbacks with given the time. But the difference now with Kyler Murray, it's year three. Not that he's seen everything, because I do think even the greats, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, there are certain things that you're always learning. But it is a much wiser Kyler Murray now in the huddle, under center, out of the shotgun, and then he's got the help, as we referenced earlier, of a Rodney Hudson, who is also has the experience as well, and then can let everyone else know what is going to be needed on that particular play. So, yes, you have every right to be encouraged about what you saw on Sunday until something different happens. That's, that's what the National Football League is. If you go week by week and don't look too far ahead, feel good going into this week. Have the expectation of winning. The players do. The coaches do. I mean, they said it all on Sunday and then the next day on Tuesday when they address the media as well. There is an expectation week in and week out that this, what we saw in week one, is the norm, not the exception. Yeah, and I, I, on paper, and just based on names, I do think the Vikings' defense is better than the Titans. Titans, again, Bud Dupree's coming off an injury. Um, their first-round pick, he wasn't able to play. Uh, you know, obviously Janoris Jenkins uh, was disappointing in, uh, in in New Orleans, but he's their top corner. Fulton, I thought, played well, uh, better than Jenkins. They really didn't get any kind of pass rush. Here, it's just Mike Zimmer's been around forever, so there's there's things that he can throw at Kyler, but I'm sure Rodney Hudson has seen it all. So they're going to try to disrupt him and get him off his spot, stuff we always talk about. But I, 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 And Harrison Smith's a really good safety. Kendricks can get to the quarterback. Hunter can win one-on-one matchups. Michael Pierce, as you mentioned, opted out. He had his, uh, two sacks in his first game. Tomlinson was a great pickup from the New York Giants. So on paper... Um, and that's the reason why, Craig, you, you started the, the Vikings' uh, breakdown is they were 29th in scoring defense, 27th in total defense, and 28th in sacks. So they went out and got better players to add to it. It may take some time. Um, but they, I, I think going into this game, they have a better defense than the Titans. They did get after the quarterback on Sunday. Harrison, had, Harrison Smith had a sack um Daniil Hunter had a sack Pierce had two sacks the first two career sack game of his career so they might have gotten better rushing the quarterback and getting to Joe Burrow on Sunday and then Eric Kendricks in the middle of that defense not just a team best or game high but how about the most tackles by anyone in the entire National Football League he had 15 tackles against the Bengals and this is someone who a year ago was not on the field for the final five games because of a calf injury so Kendricks is healthy bar not healthy at least he was not on Sunday he did not play but there is I do think an upgrade defensively when you look at what the Cardinals are facing here in week two versus what they faced in week one. Yeah, you know, Kendricks reminds me of Jordan Hicks, where every year they're going to go get over 100 tackles. And, you know, he's, he's a, you know, you look at KJ Wright. And one thing about, you know, um, playing that linebacker position, passes defense. He, he has 18 and KJ Wright had 21. So he's not a guy that just rushed the passer. He's very effective. 
going from sideline to sideline. I think he's been a really good uh, player for the Minnesota Vikings. So you definitely have to make sure you, you find out where he's at because, you know, if you go back 2015 to 2021, I mean, he's had 654 tackles. Now, you know, obviously, you know, uh, Jordan Hicks hasn't played that much when, when he was in Philadelphia, but Bobby Wagner at 862. So this guy's a tackling machine, but he also can deflect passes going over the middle. Bird Gang, if you like what you hear, we invite you to subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, The Cardinals Red Sea Report, and of course this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Don't forget about the Dave Pash Podcast as well. Go to azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. One name that we just briefly touched on, and that would be the addition of Patrick Peterson, wearing number seven, the Vikings colors. Yes, it's going to be weird seeing him on the opposite sideline, but how much of a, an improvement can he make defensively to this team? I know there's video circulating on social media that he did not look good, and you reference Jamar Chase with how successful he was week one. Curious on how they go about with Peterson this week. Does he cover someone? Does he shadow a DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green? Or do they not move him around and they just play zone and just say, Patrick, you cover this area of the field? Yeah, and and then I'm taking my running backs and I'm going to run it outside the field because he's going to have to tackle. Now, he did not give up a touchdown to Jamar Chase. It was just the route. That, that was just where he got twisted. The, the ball did not get thrown to him on that play. So he didn't give up any touchdowns. Um, he did have one tackle. So they are targeting the other quarter in Breland. So, again, I, I, I Joe Borrell threw the ball well down the field. So, um, But based on the video, that he did not give up a touchdown on that, on that video. Kingsbury was asked specifically about the Peterson storyline as far as do you go and change things or do you go about and figuring out can you attack one player specifically based off of what they have on a defense. And regarding Patrick Peterson, Kingsbury, quote, I try to just attack a defense schematically the best way I can and get our best matchups out there, end quote. But if there is a team MJ that knows more about a player than anyone else, it's going to be the Cardinals offensive coaches knowing about Patrick Peterson based off what they had the previous three seasons, excuse me, previous two seasons. This year now he's wearing Vikings colors. But it would not surprise me if they look to try to find number seven just to see what he's got. Is it the Patrick Peterson of old, or is it the Patrick Peterson that we saw the past two seasons? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, you know, I know a lot has been said how Patrick you know, can't forget about being in Arizona. But I'll tell you what, Craig, he's a smart guy. He studies a lot of film. He knows some of the tendencies of Kyler Murray. Let's be honest, he was able to pick him off in practice just like you know the other quarterbacks and cornerbacks were. So um, he just doesn't have the foot speed, but he has it between the ears. He watches a lot of film, and he knows some of these tendencies. It's just a matter of is he in position to make the play. That's the question. So I do think that he's going to play zone. Um, but, again, if you want to run the football to his side, is he going to stick his nose in there and make the tackle? That's going to be interesting too. Um, but I, I know that he watches a ton of film, and he would have more insight on Kyler Murray than any other defensive back in the National Football League right now. 
True. It's one thing to have that intel and know what Kyler Murray can do. It's another thing to be on the field when Kyler Murray is doing those things that you know he can do so well. Try to stop him in the open field, keep him in the pocket, keep him contained. Much easier said than done, and you can diagram as many different schemes as you want, but Kyler Murray makes it very difficult on defenses. And do you put an additional player in the box to try to spy Kyler Murray to make sure he doesn't get out and get those 10, 15, 20-yard runs. He had three runs of eight or more yards called back because of penalties last week against the Titans. I don't know how many of those were design runs. There might have been a handful of design runs for him, but he's running when he has no other option, and that's what we want to see. Use his legs as a weapon when it becomes, this play's not working, my option B or C is for me to get out of the pocket and scramble and run for the first down. Yeah, what I'm going to say here is easier said than done. They they probably want to keep Murray in the pocket and hit him. Now we haven't talked about, and I don't want to uh, not include his name, Everson Griffin. Uh, you know, he's a local guy. He's he's on the depth chart there, um, so he's another guy that can rush a passer. But they do have guys that can win some one on one matchups, and that's going to put the offensive line. Um, I'm sure they're looking forward to the challenge. But, again, they want to hit Kyler Murray. They want to slow him down. And it should be noted, Calvin Beecham exiting Sunday's game with a rib injury. He was seen walking off the field as the start of practice began. And according to Kingsbury, Beecham remains day-to-day and something to keep an eye on, although Justin Murray, I thought, performed well at right tackle on Sunday, the last half of that week one contest so just something to keep an eye on but for the most part I think the Cardinals are going in one knock on wood pretty healthy and then number two and better than anything else confident because here in week two it's not so much about the opponent as it is what the Cardinals do well and fixing them mistakes i.e the penalties that happened, especially early in the contest. Yeah, and the Cardinals have, you know, they uh, Sean Coogler maintained that they want to be able to go too deep. Uh, you know, when you get into 9 and 10, probably more guys that you're looking to in the future. But they, their top eight guys, I mean, they can start, you know, uh, I'm sure they can start for other teams or be that swing tackle. So they're comfortable there. You want to have your starters. Um, but we watched in week one that Brian Winters got a chance to play a little left guard. Um, obviously, uh, you know, Justin Murray came in and played right tackle. He can play a lot of different positions. So you like to have your five same starters, but it appears that Cougar's going to go with the hot hand. And if somebody's struggling, he has no problem rotating and it's, un- it's, it's, it's not conventional, but at the end of the day, I trust Sean Coogler. He, he knows that more than anyone else when it comes to the run game and this offense, well, not the offense, it's just the running game. Week two, Cardinals host the Minnesota Vikings. The game at State Farm Stadium kicks off at 1.05 p.m., 8.30 a.m. The pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. All right, MJ, did we do a good enough job, to your satisfaction, of turning the complete page to week two and put now the Tennessee Titans game in the rearview mirror? Yes, when you start mentioning names and and what they can do and their upside and how you're going to attack this defense, and and again, I thought Joe Burrow did a nice job of me and not throwing for a ton of yards, but they were able to throw the ball down the field. I think that's something the Cardinals have definitely put an emphasis on this year. So, yes. When you start talking about names and how you're going to match up with them, yes, we definitely. And t- today we, we talked about the defense, and tomorrow we'll talk about the offense because, quite frankly, you know, Delvin Cook was kind of held in check, but they had an opportunity in overtime. He fumbled the football. They would have got in field goal range, and maybe they were having a different conversation where Cincinnati uh, wouldn't have got that first win. 
quick tease regarding our next show. This Viking offense, not that they look very similar, but as far as the positions where they're the deepest and have the biggest name value, very similar to the Titans offense when you look at quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Yeah, you take the quarterback, you take the uh, the running back, and you take the two top wide receivers, very similar to A.J. Brown and uh, obviously Julio Jones. Adam Thielen is more of a slot guy, kind of reminds me of Cooper Cup, Cole Beasley. He gets open. He finds seams. So is Byron Murphy on there? I think Marco Wilson can hold his own. Justin Jefferson, just a great, fantastic story. Obviously a rookie last year. You know, he, he's a guy that Minnesota invested in. So um, I, that's a good analogy, good comparison, because it's similar. Obviously, they all have a little bit different skill sets. But if you're looking at the top two receivers, quarterback and running back, it's very similar to the Titans. Vance Joseph speaks to the media on Thursday, the Cardinals defensive coordinator. We will get into how the defense of the Cardinals might try to match or at least move ahead to what they were able to do in week one to perhaps equal or best their performance in week two against the Vikings offense. That's still to come this week. And on that note, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.